what it's like to be black in Ireland is very, very different. And the kind of racism that exists in Ireland is also very, very different. And we felt like it was important to talk about that. And I think it's just like never like underestimating the power of whatever it is that you're kind of feeling in a moment. Hello and welcome to Going Viral, the social media podcast. I'm Aideen Fitzmaurice and I am your host. Each week I'll be sitting down with content creators, influencers and industry leaders and asking them the questions you've always wanted to know the answers to about life outside of what we see on our phone screens. This is still a very new podcast and I'm really trying to get the word out there and hopefully some new listeners. So every single follow and mention really means the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five star rating. Wherever in the world you are, I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's do this. This week, I'm excited to be sitting down with Amanda Ade, a true multi-hyphenate. She's a creative director of Black and Irish, an activist, a podcast host, a talent manager, an analytical chemist, and a content creator, to name but a few. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. What an intro. How many things could I add to one sentence? (laughs) Oh, thanks so much. Bigging me up too much now. The pressure is like building. (laughs) No, it's super impressive. Let's start with a little bit of background context so people can get to know you a bit better. Can you explain to New Ears what you're working on right now? Quite a few things things actually so um kind of like my main thing I'm doing at the moment is obviously creative director of Black and Irish and that's like really taken off in the last like year we have a couple of like really strong partnerships one with like Guinness is probably our biggest one at the moment um so that's like taking up like most of my time I think just trying to like um get some campaigns off the ground and get content up and done and planned and that kind of thing and we're heading towards summer season now so it's like yeah kind of all flat out at the moment yeah it's it's good enjoying it though I'm excited to dive more into that in a bit but Mm -hmm. let's start with your early years uh where did you grow up and what was it like I grew up in the best town in Ireland and might be a little bit biased but I am from Kildare um yeah literally I lived in the same house same town everything since I was two um and yeah like Kildare growing up was for the most part I think it was like brilliant like I think it's like a perfect blend of like the countryside and like close enough to Dublin that you can like come in and out easily um so we kind of I kind of had like that kind of hybrid feel I think to my childhood which was great and um, grew up like pretty much like around farms and stuff and like pretty much in the middle of the sticks like I, I loved it <laughs> um for the most part um but yeah no, it was like mostly positive obviously like kind of came with some negative experiences I think anyone that's like different in any kind of like any area not even just small towns um you kind of face that little bit of kind of trying to um integrate uh, necessarily mm. like pretty much yeah into like um the communities there and that kind of thing but I think for the most part it was positive like I I really enjoyed it what was the, your school experience like did you enjoy school were you good at your lessons yeah I was actually one of those like I was actually really good in school I loved school so much and um, primary school more so I absolutely loved I think secondary school I was a bit more like aware of like certain things so like that was a bit less enjoyable but I still loved it like I still like I was like one of those like annoying kids that like, um, I think the teachers, teachers loved me. I was like proper teacher's pet. Um, but then I was just terrorized people on the playground. <laughs> um, but it was fun though. It was really good. Like I had a really solid group of friends as well. So it was, mm-hmm. it was like mostly a positive, like enjoyable experience. What was your favorite subject in secondary school? In secondary school, probably biology. Ooh. Yeah, I loved it. And she became a chemist. Exactly. That's, that's what led to it. Because I was like a uh, basketball, I was on, captain of the basketball team as well for a couple of years. And my biology teacher was also my basketball coach. So it was Class. like, 
yeah she's just like she loved me <laughs> I love those kind of that teachers that have like the niche interest as well that they bring into the student exactly. lifestyle because it kind yeah. of makes you appreciate them a little bit more you kind of like have a friendship with them yeah exactly that um, did you go to college it. I did I went to it's no longer ITC IT Carlo um, I think it's set to now I see to you um but yeah it was IT Carlo at the time I studied analytical chemistry um yeah that was like pretty random like I said I love biology so I actually went in to study biology then like halfway I think our first year was like a general entry first year or whatever halfway through first year I realized I actually like fall in love with in love with chemistry um so then I just like decided to major in chemistry for someone that doesn't know what is an analytical chemist an analytical chemist there's so many elements to it um so we kind of covered so basically anything like that you need to send to a lab to be analyzed I would do so it could be anything from like soil samples to um like testing new um medicines that are about to come out to like literally anything anything that could be analyzed in a lab we do so I actually didn't even get to work a day with my with my degree no never got to work with it oh my god yeah that's crazy so you obviously just like found your feet and you were like this is where this is, this exactly. is the direction I meant to go in pretty much yeah yeah no I loved I loved science like but I think I kind of realized um before I finished that like I think it was more of like an interest as opposed to like a career option for me mm. um so that's why I kind of started doing things outside of school and um to kind of like cultivate what I'm actually passionate about which is like creative things more so what was your most formative experience growing up the one that will forever stick out was Gwail Talked. Like, I actually loved it. I went to Colossus the Connacht. Um, we were there for like three weeks. It was honestly the best time ever. Um, I think that's when I got super, super close to um, like my, my group of friends at the time. Um, and I just like I learned a lot, about, a lot about myself. That's kind of when I discovered that I loved to make like, I, I had been like making videos and stuff prior to that, but I never like consciously thought of it. Um, but that was like my first like kind of like vlog experience. So I like oh, had yeah? like a little mini vlog, yeah, of the, like a whole of the whole uh, Gwail Talk experience. Did time, you do so. it as Gwailka? I tried to. I tried to. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was good. It was really I love good. That. Yeah. I'm a massive Irish speaker, so oh, for you to say it. that, I'm like beaming over here. I'm like, yes, everyone should go to the Gwail Talk. Absolutely, 100%. It is one of those experiences, though, when you're growing up, it's like the first time you're away from your parents. Yeah. You're meeting people with like similar interests and you're just a bit rogue and yeah. you're just kind of like figuring life out. Was, so yeah, I loved the Gwail Talk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first met you, we were actually at a Christmas dinner event just gone mm-hmm. and you brought your mom as your plus one yes. which I absolutely loved I got <laughs> to meet her is she your biggest supporter she definitely is yeah she definitely is like a lot of my friends laugh when they come to the, to the house sometimes because she has like every like magazine or newspaper or whatever that that's in she would like get it printed and like put it up in like a little frame or whatever um, so it looks like she has like a little shrine to me <laughs> in the sitting room. Um, but no, she definitely is. Like she's just like, she's fantastic. Like um, she's been like a massive support. My dad as well. Like he came with me to the um, the Image Awards just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Um, so yeah, my parents are definitely, they've definitely been um, my biggest supporters from like day one. They must be so proud to see the impact that you're having on like in conversation in Ireland but also like on the younger generation like mm. it's just such a yeah well now they are now they are they're still African parents at the end of the day like they were still very much like you need to go to school and da, 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 da. But, like um now it's like I can yeah they can kind of see like the results of a lot of like the more creative things that they didn't really understand before so when you started out was that like a conversation you had that to that was a whole thing oh. yeah that was like a whole thing they were like calling all the family in Nigeria like, oh my god we don't know what's happening with Amanda 
um yeah they, they just didn't understand it like they're yeah. so far removed from the whole world of like social media and that kind of thing so to them it's like oh my god what are you doing like it's so funny my parents <laughs> are the exact same so yeah. both my parents are principals okay. so when I broached the conversation that I was going to leave my full-time job my mom was like Shock I work. don't get this yeah. like this is this is mad to me but mm-hmm. now like we're a year in and she's like sure isn't it great yeah sure, exactly to go and do all this mad stuff I'm like oh it's so funny like parents are obviously I think they like have this blanket around you mm. and they just want to make sure that like going out into this space and being a creative yeah. is so unpredictable exactly. and that's really scary for a generation that have grown up to be kind of like put into jobs security. and stay in yeah. them forever exactly and they don't know any difference so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's we're an interesting generation because we're the first ones that yeah. are probably like veering away from the like standard More traditional, traditional yeah, workspace um let's dive deeper into black and irish you're the creative director yeah how did this come about yeah, so um, I it started off, I made a video in my room um, in May of 2020. Um, it kind of went a little bit viral. Just a tad. And then, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, so then after that, I spoke at the Black Lives Matter protest in Dublin in 2020. And um, at that stage then, there was like, I think the lads at the time, the three of them had just formed the Instagram page. And they invited me on as like a guest just to do like a, an Instagram live. And we pretty much from there, we just kind of clicked. We all clicked immediately. And we kind of realized that we were all after the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made sense to kind of like just join it. So they asked me to join the team. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like I wouldn't try do something on my own when there's like a team of people that are heading towards the same direction. So um, yeah, that's kind of how I joined the team then in um, 2020, which is just about a month after the Instagram page was formed. And after that then we kind of realized that because initially it was just like sharing people's stories on the platform and we kind of like got to a point where we were like you know it's great we're sharing stories creating awareness and you know circulating um you know this information but how do we actually make change how do we actually make a tangible change and not just talk about things mm-hmm. um so that's when like the or the actual organization was formed um so we decided to like okay actually form around our like main mission and our main goal and then we kind of like sectioned off then into like where everyone's strengths kind of lay um so for me it was like it was always kind of like more creative things so like I like I said I always would make videos and um yeah particularly like kind of content online at that time mm-hmm. um so it just kind of made sense and that's how I got the role and good just, for you yeah for somebody who maybe doesn't know what black and Irish is could you give like a quick kind of context mm-hmm. of how it operates now and why it's important for somebody to have it on their Instagram feed yeah um so black and Irish is an organization that is pretty much dedicated to sharing the like lived experiences of the black Irish um community uh, black and mixed race Irish community um and yeah just kind of creating change across what we call our like our six pillars so we work across like it's massive team now well not massive but for us massive um, 15 people um all volunteers um and yeah so we work across our six pillars so we have like media education entertainment politics business and community um so we kind of split off we kind of realized that those were like the areas that we kind of wanted to create change and just show up in in Irish society so we have like a director over each area that like leads different campaigns so like we would kind of meet with like people within the community regularly we have like town halls one is actually coming up like next month um to basically like provide information on like the Irish political system and how to get involved and that kind of thing and then present um like kind of queries and things that come up from the community to politicians as well on the other end of things as well um 
and then a lot of it is as well so like creating representation like in media in entertainment and and that kind of thing and creating content for the community by the community so um i think a lot of it is just creating space and trying to create as much like tangible change and um fight you know just discrimination and um all, any kind of bias that we find in in society across all levels you're doing a music series at the minute with guinness is that right yeah so could you tell us a bit about that yeah um so there's quite a few so that we had it kind of kicked off from last summer we were doing um a summer of djs and uh, we pretty much got to put in um every friday and saturday um like we scheduled some uh djs from the community to play in the open gate brewery um again i think it's just like creating that like two-way thing so like for a lot of people within the community like you wouldn't think to go to the open gate for like a pint yeah but, but like when like a hub is kind of created that kind of, it opens doors for you know people just to come in and share experiences and it was open to everyone so we have people from all kinds of backgrounds in this space and uh, bonding over a pint to guinness um i just feel like that's like the most irish thing ever like it's Definitely. just like it's just, yeah <laughs> it was fantastic so from there yes yeah, so we did our like our music series um and then we've seen kind of like an uptake in like um you know programming and booking for like black irish artists and like across major festivals so that's something that we're like actively trying to push and document as well um and we've had like kind of helping artists to do like launch parties and that kind of thing and that's kind of, incredible kind of help them get off the ground a bit more because you shared a video like two days ago of um like a highlight reel of um black performers that were going to be coming up for festivals in Ireland and it's just so amazing to see that that space is being created and you guys are working on that so Mm -hmm. that's great when black and Irish first came into the media it was around the time of George Floyd Mm -hmm. in USA why do you think it was an important time for you guys to speak out Mm -hmm. in the Irish space yeah, so that was for us like um, that was actually that, that was the motivating factor. It was the fact that like a lot of what we were hearing at the moment was from like an American perspective or from a British perspective, um, and you know while there are like shared experiences, I think globally, um, what it's like to be black in Ireland is very very different, and the kind of racism that exists in Ireland is also very very different. And we felt like it was important to talk about that, um, from our own perspective with our own experiences because. You can't like apply the same methods of like dealing with racism um, in Ireland. Like the history is completely different to, to like the US. So um, and the way it shows up as well. I think for me personally, like from what we've seen for the most part, um, I'd say like the kind of um, the kind of racism that exists in Ireland is purely out of ignorance mm. um, and not so much like like the kind of deep rooted um systemic racism that you'd see like in other places there are elements of it here as well like we see with like dp and that kind of thing but um it's just it's not to the same extent so for us it was really important to like bring irish voices to the platform when we're talking about racism in ireland and and when we're dealing with racism in ireland like it had to be through an irish lens have you experienced racism and discrimination in ireland and can you kind of differentiate what the difference is between racism and discrimination it's kind of difficult to separate sometimes i think racism obviously is purely it will boil down to like being discriminated against because of your race so like Mm. the race is the determining factor but discrimination i could say like i've faced discrimination as a woman um i could face discrimination you know due to my age um you know certain in certain spaces or whatever what I'm saying might not be taken as seriously because I might just be seen as like another young woman that doesn't know anything. Pretty much you've no experience, you've no whatever. Um, so for me, that's like the the difference between both. 
Um, and have I experienced them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think anyone that's any kind of difference anywhere will experience those things. Um, uh, I'm kind of, I probably fall into like the lucky few that say like growing up, I don't think I ever really experienced like overt forms. Like there was never like violence or anything like that um, like against me. It'd be like pretty much just name calling. And like for the most part, like I actually, the, mo- the racism I experienced predominantly was from like the older generation. So like I, like I said, I'm from Kildare and I pretty much a small town. I was one of the first black people in the area. Um, so I think a lot of older people kind of felt, um, they, they they had grown up in a very different Ireland. So for them, it's like seeing, you know, this person that's just come from, you know, somewhere else. And um, it was met with like a lot of, like, that's why I say it's like ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that lack of exposure that led to probably a lot of those comments. Um, but yeah, like I think people growing up in other parts of Ireland have obviously experienced very different things. I think closer to like around Dublin or like bigger cities, um, it might have been different. Um, but yeah, for me, like I kind of fall into like that lucky few that it's never been like a mad, like overt thing. It's just been a lot of like kind of microaggressions and like little comments and that kind of thing. What advice would you have for somebody, let's say they had like an aunt or an uncle and they heard them saying something racist or discriminatory? How mm. can they best handle that? I think, yeah, it's kind of, it's tricky in those situations because obviously it's, it puts you in an awkward position to like say something. I think leaving that thought to fester in that person is like a missed opportunity. So it's like they could then go on to, you know, they'll continue. It's not breaking the cycle. They'll continue to have that same thought if it's not interrupted in that moment. So I think kind of taking the onus on yourself to just speak up. I think, first of all, just telling them that like, listen, what you're saying is is not right. What you're saying is wrong. Um, Not in a way to like, um, not in a way like that's like bashing them, um, but just kind of like educating them on like how like the lang- the type of language that they use is like very important when they're speaking about people and how it might be seen as like, um, not even by- how it would be seen as like discriminatory. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, just kind of just talking to people on like a personal level, especially when you have, when it's like an aunt or an uncle or whatever, they're a lot more, um, they'd be a lot more open to receiving it from you when there's that relationship there. So I think when they know that you're coming at them from like a place of love and like you're actually wanting to, you know, just educate them in that moment, it would be received a lot better. I 100% agree with you. And I think like it's much better in a situation like that to be educational than to be a people pleaser and yeah, say nothing. Absolutely. Like that's the moment when I know we're all people pleasers by by nature but that's the moment when you step away from that and you'll have pride in yourself that you said something rather than just like sitting on your knees and not saying things and I think that's maybe the culture that was in Ireland for a long time was Mm. to say nothing absolutely and as a result of organizations like Black and Irish you guys are encouraging like the younger generation to be like no this is when you speak up this Mm -hmm. it's so important to use your voice no matter what your background is so um I appreciate so much what you guys are doing Mm -hmm. two years ago when you went viral did you feel like that was the first time that your experiences and your voice was cutting through the noise yeah absolutely um that was actually the first time like I've ever honestly like spoken up about that kind of thing um although it was something that was already kind of on my mind so um we'll probably go into it at some stage but like even prior to the video I had already started a podcast at the time so as soon as lockdown happened I started a podcast in March of 2020 so before everything kind of kicked off and one of like my main um goals I think at that time was just to speak on the black Irish experience because I just felt like it was missing um everywhere like there was nothing that I could kind of like look to or turn to to hear um 
like any like experiences like that, personal experiences that like would could strike a chord with me in the same way. So for me, it was like really important to, like to create that. Um, but yeah, at that time when when that video um, was made, um, yeah, honestly, yeah, it did feel like that was the first time that like it was like taken seriously just because of like the time that it was at and it was people were able to receive it in a way that I don't think that they would have if we weren't in lockdown or if they had you know they could just like put their phone down and go to work or school or whatever the next day I think um we had nowhere else to go so people had like no choice but to like listen do you think that social media has been an imperative part for change oh a hundred percent a hundred percent like the reach has just been like insane um and even particularly because like the time, look at the time, the time that everything happened in, um, you know, we weren't allowed to go outside. So social media was the only way we could connect with people. It's the only way that we could share um, stories or share um, experiences and, and that kind of thing. So um, it's been, yeah, it's, and it still remains, I think the main, the main tool and the main way that like I kind of engage with, with people um, inside and outside the community. What advice would you have for activists who want to cut through the noise? Like, is it to do Instagram reels? Is it to kind of collaborate with people? Like, what do you think is the best form of getting public interest? I I don't think it matters what you do. So I I don't think the medium as such matters. I think it's it's what you're saying. So if what you're saying is authentic to yourself, if it's something that you're genuinely passionate about, um, then I think people that resonates a lot more with people. Um, like if it's something that's just like, you know, that's personal to you that, um, that you genuinely just care about. And, you know, if it's not just like another thing trying to be viral or trying to be heard or that kind of thing, then I think people, people seek authenticity more than anything else. And you can feel that and you can see that if it's authentically you, I think it will be received by people a lot better. I personally think that's why your video was so captivating for people was because you weren't reading a script. You were just like, this is my experience. This is how I feel. And you just put it up there. And it was like the first time I think people were given like a really clear insight into that, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just like, I don't know, some ad on the telly to be like, we all need to be friends. It was like, this is like my personal experience and I need to kind of have my voice heard right now. Why do you think representation representation is important? Representation is important for everybody. Um, so there's this there's often this like misconception that representation is just for the group being represented. Um, but I think, particularly like using like the experience of like the Black Irish community, let's say, um, for me growing up, I think the extent of the representation I saw in Irish media was Samantha Mumba, um, which is fantastic. You know, she's great. Um, but it's like. <laughs> yes, like, we stand queen samantha we stand, we stand. Samantha. <laughs> um but yeah no there just needs to be more so I, across all sectors so whether it is you know um you know a little black irish girl that wants to play football and um, you know there needs to be representation in that field i think it's just i'm a big believer in you know you need to see it to be it or you need to see it to believe it kind of thing um that's generally just the way humans operate like when you see someone in a space you can aspire to be that and then for I think it's important just for everyone as as well I think it breaks down misconceptions so if there's a certain conception about like a group of people when you see um when you see certain representation when you see people um on your screens it challenges like this like single narrative story and it challenges like the negative perceptions about like a certain group of people. So I think it's important for everyone. Like when you see that representation, it's like you're able to recognize that, you know, 
um like black people are not just a monolith like there is we like across all sectors there's black people like doing really really well so it challenges whatever kind of biases you might even have for yourself um, and helps you to see people as just like people as individuals is it improving do you think it definitely is yeah it definitely 100 is like we're seeing a lot more like um even like presenters like i'm gonna shout out katia like katia on ireland am doing her thing um we've seen like the lads on, on the football team um like there's a lot um in athletics like our fastest man and woman are both um black irish people at the moment so it's like across all sectors i think we are definitely seeing that what could we do to improve it even more um, I think create more space. Um, so I'm a big believer in equity over equality. Um, so I think like there's been like a big push for equality everywhere, but I don't think that's necessarily fair because equality kind of is assuming that the that the playing field is already level for everyone, um, which just not isn't true. So people are disadvantaged in so many different ways. So I think it's actually okay to give extra helping hands to people that need the help. Um, so whether that is, you know, organizations and businesses actively creating more like internship spaces in the, in their, in their businesses or whatever, um, trying to get, you know, people from all backgrounds in the door. Um, I think that just like kind of removing those barriers that are just there is so, so important. Um, so I think that's like a major thing. Is there ways that we could utilize social media to be more inclusive? Yeah, absolutely it's probably one of the better places i'd say actually a lot of the events that i've gone to in the last like couple of months and stuff i usually see the same faces in mm-hmm. every room if that makes sense yeah so i think for pr companies for companies that are wanting to like engage with like creators and um yeah content creators and people that are like in different fields or whatever on social media i think kind of diversifying first of all your following list diversify who you follow so you're like more aware of different people doing different things so that it doesn't it's not always the same people getting the same opportunities it's not always the same people getting the the brand deals and the partnerships and being invited invited to certain events and that kind of thing ask yourself like okay do i follow any like black irish fashion creators or whatever like being aware of like people that are within the your field of interest um but that just might not necessarily look like you yeah and then once you start I always find once you start liking certain content you're served more exactly thus that will then diversify your Instagram feed feed, because you don't want to scroll on your Instagram feed and see the same stuff over and over again are hate crimes occurring in Ireland against minorities they they are yeah we've actually it's been there's been a rise even in the last year um I think from last year's stats I think Ireland was in I think it was the third worst country in Europe for hate crimes. Um, so like that to me is already kind of like startling. Like um, la- just last week, we saw the fire that just happened at the um, center there for um, asylum seekers. So there's, it's definitely on the rise. I think that has a lot to do with like the rise of the far right as well. And um, not just in Ireland, across Europe. Um, but obviously that's kind of expected off the back of anything like the Black Lives Matter movement. A lot of people kind of, use moments like that to push false narratives and push fake news and um even just the condition i think of the country so with like the cost of living crisis and the housing crisis it kind of creates space for bad actors to come in and you know uh, kind of play the blame game and um scapegoat a lot of communities that um actually are just coming here for refuge mm. and use them as a scapegoat to, like to blame for for the country's problems 
Um, so I think we're just seeing a lot of a lot of that, a lot of propaganda being used, and that's kind of what's caused the spike in hate crimes. If they're only, um, you know, getting this um, like one um, one side of the coin, um, that's what they're going to believe. So it's that's why it's so important for us to continue to like push out the opposing and like have you know create that kind of balance so people have something else as well to kind of take in that is the dangerous side of social and i was actually having this conversation with pj in a previous episode that once you like a narrative like one video of a narrative you keep getting served the same stuff over and over again so thus you believe that this is the only way yeah and then like i'm kind of like i'm big into debate so i'm like you need to hear both sides of the story absolutely but your algorithm is only pushing one side of the story so Mm -hmm. i can understand why people would then have a fundamental belief Mm -hmm. because every time they open their phone they're being served the same narrative yeah this is scary is it important for us to be watching the news right now I know I took a step back when COVID happened Mm -hmm. and I never went back to the degree that I would. Like when I was growing up, every day at six, we'd sit down, we'd watch the news and then we'd have dinner. But Mm -hmm. like, I'm totally out of that habit now. Obviously, I think it's important to kind of stay up to date with what's going on in the world and be aware. But at the same time, um, I think stepping away from that and just being in the real world is extremely important as well. And that's actually what I would say is probably more important. Mm. Um, I always say like, touch grass breathe oxygen like just go outside and touch grass like it's it's um it's important and um, just to also be in the real world because if it's like generating a lot of anxiety for yourself i think be, being able to step away and i say the same thing about social media so if my social media is like pushing contents um that's kind of making me feel anxious and all whatever all the time switch it off um you know you have the power to do that as well you don't have to take in all this content all the time um but in saying that yeah it is important to like still kind of stay up to date with what's happening you're also a podcast host um you did host a podcast called boxed out and you host a podcast for black and irish Mm -hmm. how do you juggle it all ah (laughs) with a lot of difficulty (laughs) um yeah no it's 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 a lot it's tough i'm kind of um lucky in the sense like the the podcast with Black and Irish is not just myself. So it's four of us and that whole, we co-host it together. Um, so it's flexible in that way. So if you're not able to make it, if you're whatever, um, there's other people that can kind of step in and, and take that. Um, but yeah, like Boxed Out was, yeah, I, like I said, I started out in March, 2020. Um, that was a lot of fun. I created, that was uh, just like me in my room um, with like some guests over like Zoom or like on a call or something. So um that one was great um but yeah it's been it's been tough just trying to like figure out how to like best use my time can you tell me a bit more about the black and irish podcast if somebody wanted to listen to it as a result of hearing you on this episode yeah um so black and irish podcast that's actually in collaboration with rte um so we did our first two seasons so first season was kind of like an intro into like the black irish community second one we kind of like the second season was more so um the way we envisioned it was us like kind of inviting people into our homes a bit more. So it's like first season was like looking through the window. Second season actually opened the door, let people in. Third season now, um, actually it's not even a season anymore. They kind of, they just said, you guys can just come and stay. So we're, <laughs> we've got like, a, we're there for like the year anyway. Um, but yeah, no, we, we kind of just now are highlighting people from within the community that are just doing like crazy things. Um, so it's just a lot of people that you might not necessarily get like um, mainstream platforms as such and um, people that we know, people that are just like trailblazing in whatever field that may be from like literally business to 
science to um, like teachers and brand owners and that kind of thing. So there's so much, um, I think there's so much happening on the ground. And for us, it's so important to like spotlight those people that are doing that um, and giving people just um, an opportunity to come and share their story and what they're doing. What's been your highlight or your best experience through the podcast? Um, so in, what month was it? Was it December or January? Recently, um, <laughs> recently, a couple of months ago, um, we got to do like a live podcast um, episode from BT Young Scientist with like a couple of um, a couple of girls that were like, had entered in the competition, um, which was like mad because I was obviously I loved science growing up. So I was literally at BT Young Scientist every year. So being able to come back and do something like that in that space was like it was like a full circle moment like I was just like like over the moon um, but it was great it was like really really fun I used to love the BT Young Scientist but only because I would go there to like spy on all the boys was, from yeah. all the other skills yeah. 100% if <laughs> you rolling the skirt up putting the foundation all over the face like I never wore makeup and skill but if For I BT, went to the BT yeah, Young Scientist 100%. oh we had it at the, the, the fringe was straight and just remember like the really straight bangs good times have you had any life-changing conversations on the podcast anything that's kind of shifted your mindset yeah um a few so I got to do one episode I think it was the first season with um Emma Dabbery um like she's just a fantastic mind so for me like just being able to kind of just sit one-on-one and have that conversation was was great I think she put a lot of things into perspective even for me um and challenged like a lot of like the conclusions and thoughts that I kind of drawn at that time um, and I, I love those kind of conversations like when because like she was like fundamentally disagreeing with me and a lot of things and I, I love that so I love like when people are able to like provide like tell me why I'm wrong kind of thing and explain it and break it down I think those are like um, just really good like learning um, moments so for me that was probably like the my yeah, my favorite episode to do. So I'm just starting out on this podcast. This is yeah. season one. We're in our infancy. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. What advice could you give me? Um, as a newbie to the podcasting world um I would say just have fun with it yeah have fun with it um it doesn't have to be like super super serious um and I think just being able to yes we like be personal um with your guests with your audience um and like I said like that kind of authenticity it, it it really does like translate across whatever medium whether that's audio or video or whatever and um, people just feel that and people um, are drawn to that. So, And if somebody did want to start a podcast now, mm-hmm. they're listening to the two of us. We've both got our podcast going on. They're like, I want to do I that. Do <laughs> what advice would you have for those new listeners? Just do it. Just start it. I think a lot of people kind of have the mindset that, um, you know, the kind of the podcast market is like oversaturated at the moment. But um, if you're doing what you're doing, I'll keep saying the same thing. If you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it well, um you know there will be space you create space for yourself so just go for it why not go for it guys go for Amanda it. said it you have to do it now <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about being Irish because okay. your company is black and Irish yes um what does being Irish mean to you for me um so it kind of brings me back to like a lot of my core memories kind of growing up um so we have I feel like being Irish is being able to have the crack first of all um, the crack is always the, it's, it's like the fundamental number one yeah number one you can't be too serious can't take yourself too seriously being able to have the crack um there's like so many good memories i have just from like school and stuff um like singing songs in the back of the bus doing trying what's the rattling bog and that kind of thing like um, and everywhere we go and that kind of thing like those kind of memories like really spring to mind um 
I think storytelling for me personally, um, I think storytelling is very, very much like an Irish thing. I think it's people that like, it's a thing that like, um, people are also very drawn to. I think about Irish people as being able to tell a good story and tayo sandwiches, tayo sambos. Do you put butter on it? That's the most to, important you question. You have to put butter. Great. You have to put butter. Yeah. Otherwise it's, it's just not, it has it's to be like white bread. white bread. brown bread. Butter. <laughs> Was it cheese and onion? Oh yeah. Yeah. It has to be the OG. Yeah. What's your favourite thing about Ireland and the people who call it home? I know we're going with a bit of a weird angle here, but I saw the black and Irish and I thought that's a fundamental part of your company. So I was like, this is a great opportunity to really dive into it. I like this. This is very different. I like (laughs) Honestly, the people. Um, I think fundamentally, and and it it took me kind of travelling outside of Ireland a little bit to really appreciate just how nice Irish people actually are. Um, Because I remember, I can't, not going to, what can I say where I was? Somewhere in Europe. Um, and usually, and it was like a small town. And I'm so used to like, you pass someone and you say hi. Yeah. Like, that's just normal. Um, and they were literally looking at me like I had five heads. Like, um, which is like, I don't know, for me, it was just like such like a, oh, okay. Um, it just felt very like cold in a sense. So I think it's, it's how like warm and welcoming people are in Ireland. Um, you know, for, for the most part, that's pretty much what I've experienced. Um it's probably my favorite thing. And now I think seeing all like the different kind, the different like types of people that identify as Irish um, has been like a huge thing. Um, Cause again, growing up, I didn't really see that much. So seeing that now is just like, it's fantastic. It's great. Like if you're, you know, from an Asian background or an African background or from wherever, like you can, when you say you're Irish, that's not questioned as much anymore. So yeah. I think that's definitely been like a huge, that's a thing I really, I love. What lessons do Irish people have to learn? I think there, although it's changing, but there has been for a very, very long time. And I think we see it across Irish history, the culture, and it kind of comes hand in hand with like, I think having the crack and that kind of thing, there's, this mentality of ah sure be grand um and not really like dealing with things when they need to be dealt with um there's or the culture of like kind of yeah just be grand sweep it under the rug kind of thing um I think we still kind of fall into that a lot of the time so I think not being afraid to be uncomfortable is like a thing that we kind of need to learn like we need to um be comfortable being uncomfortable like being um being a lot more open to either having um, uncomfortable conversations having those difficult conversations putting yourself in uncomfortable situations um just try expand and grow like as an individual um and kind of doing that then paying that forward so um like what we were talking about earlier having those difficult conversations with like family members and stuff like when you hear something that you know doesn't sit right with you um like making yourself uncomfortable in that moment to like try create that bit of change I think is something that you know um you just need to do a bit more yeah I also think when I think of the word uncomfortable, I'm like the people who've done the bravest things and the best things in Ireland had to be uncomfortable first. Absolutely. So you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position to then advance in life. So I think there's maybe a negative stereotype around the word, but it's a really Mm -hmm. positive word because uncomfortable means change. Exactly. Exactly that. Would you ever go into the political field in Ireland? I always get asked this. I don't know. (laughs) I think you're really captivating to listen to. And if I was in like watching the doll live stream and you were talking, I know I would listen. Mm. I don't know. See, no one actually ever believes me, but I'm actually very shy. Um, I'm a very, very reserved, shy person. Um, So I don't, uh, I don't know. 
again, what we're talking about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. So maybe, maybe. Do you think that there are any big failings in the Irish political system right now that if you did get in there, you would really want to change? Um, okay, being as honest as possible, all right. Okay, um, I do think you know, a lot more can be done. I think a lot more initiative can be taken on certain things. I think, um, I think there's a lot of like waiting around for certain things. So I think um, speeding up the processes of like... Th- things that are happening and not just talking about them for ages um is, is something that the metro think, north that, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> when never <laughs> when <laughs> um literally so not just talking about things forever for five years like like actually like tr- trying to you know put some action behind words as well as everything we've spoken about today you're also a content creator which Mm -hmm. you know is a big reason why you're here today um you've worked with some huge brands including Ray-Bans and Wurstle and Bromley how did you kind of start out as a content creator so rewind rewind so I actually I got a camcorder for my 10th birthday um and I would just like make like little home movies with all the kids in my street and like direct the films and stuff and whatever and then put it together and put it up on the tv for and invite like like their parents and stuff to come like watch for like my screenings and stuff um and I, like same thing with like with my cousins for like Christmas and stuff we do like little home movies and that kind of thing so I think that's initially where that like interest was sparked um and then fast forward then to like my kind of teen years um I used to do like <laughs> I used to do like little sketches and stuff on like Snapchat and like Vine um when Vine was alive um and it was actually a thing um so I think that's kind of where like that kind of content creation came from and um, so yeah I used to kind of do like little comedy sketches like I had this character called Swanky Sebastian um <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would just do like yeah just random like anything that would come to mind like I would just do um so that's kind of do you enjoy being a content creator or do you kind of see it as like um a way to kind of open even more conversation online yeah, it's a bit of both so yeah I absolutely I love it I love it so much like I said I've been doing it for so long um just like out of passion but I think obviously like recently my content has been very much tailored towards um you know speaking about things that actually matter and um I kind of trying to use the platform for for that as opposed to just like for fun obviously there's elements of both um you know like I still enjoy like stuff like Russell and like fashion and that kind of thing so um I get to do that as well but yeah I think predominantly at the moment that's kind of like where my head is at it's like how can I use this for um yes kind of use it the best way that I, I know how to um and let's talk about things that actually matter to me so mm-hmm. you were recently named as Irish businesswoman of the year yeah at the image business awards yes. which is incredible thank you can you tell me a little bit about that yeah um that was like shock <laughs> I was like so shocked um at least I just got the um the the nomination thing um and then my agent lynn was like yeah you need to go to this so literally i just took my dad and went <laughs> and actually won um which was a bit like i don't know it was just very like it was very very surreal um especially because like i hadn't even thought about anything like an award or whatever like leading up to that um but I think yeah just kind of being recognized in that way was like for me obviously like very like good it was like a moral boost um, so I was like, okay, like, you know, they actually, people actually see what I'm trying to do. And um, so that, that being recognized was like, um, yeah, it did a lot for like my morale, I think. So um, yeah. which was, it was good. I think those kind of events are so important because they 
they highlight everybody who has been nominated. Yeah. Like they give everybody even more of a platform to kind of show what they're doing. And mm-hmm. you always find companies that you've never heard of exactly. through these events. Yeah. And it's a really good way of like networking. Yes. Was there anybody that you met at the event that you kind of think you're going to do some kind of future projects with? Yeah, I actually already have. So at my table, um, I was chatting away with Barbara Power, who is a fashion editor for Sunday um, Indo, um, the mag. Um, so yeah, like... She was fantastic. They they did a piece we had because we have like um, an upcoming fashion weekend for Black and Irish. Class. So they literally just did a piece on that as well. So there's quite a few. There's like the girls from Riley um as well, the sustainable period, period company. Like, yeah, yeah, like fantastic as well. So it was great. That's was class. Great. Yeah. What's the biggest challenge you face as a content creator? Trying to be consistent, I think. Um, kind of trying to stay motivated. Um, to like make content. Um, like I said, like a lot of for a lot of it for me is like it's more out of like when I feel like urged to to make something or push to do something. Um, but obviously on the flip side of it, it's like now you kind of have a platform you need to maintain it in some ways to like kind of keep your audience engaged and that kind of thing. So trying to like balance both of that, um, so kind of remaining authentic to yourself and the reason why you started versus you know not just like putting out content just to kind of um, like just to like um, feed your engagement kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's like been the most challenging thing. Like kind of trying to have that balance there and still like maintain a certain sense of like integrity behind everything that I put out. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about content creators? This is like the big question that I ask everybody because through this podcast, I really want to like educate and humanize content creators and mm-hmm. show maybe the things that are misunderstood. Yeah. So if there's like one thing that yeah. you constantly find yourself trying to change your friends' minds about what Mm -hmm. do you think that that is? Money. Like, 100%. Like, everyone just assumes that you're just, like, loaded, um, which is not true. Please, guys, it's really, really not true. Um, Like, I think it's literally, like, invoices, invoices. People don't really... It takes months to turn around. So, like, you might see... You might see me post three or four brand deals or whatever, but like, I'm not seeing any of that for months on months on end. So like in between that, like it's very, very unstable. You need to still, um, you're still like struggling to survive. Like, mm-hmm. especially like the first year for me, like I, cause I was so busy doing stuff all the time. And at the time I didn't even realize that like stuff would be invoiced for like 60 to 90 days. So like I was so busy, I had to quit my job. And I didn't even like, I was thinking like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have this, this and this lined up. But by the time, like, it got around to, like, the turnarounds, I'd gone, like, four or five months with, like, no income. Um, so, again, it's, like, like that that whole period, all that was, like, a learning period for me. Like, I ate through my savings. Um, so, I was, like, trying to, like, just balance it. Um, trying to, like, plan your life accordingly. Um, you know, pursuing things that you want to do. Trying to remain realistic with it. But I think that's the main conception is that you're just, like, loaded. Um, and, you know, some people are. But it's not necessary. <laughs> not everyone. Not everyone. I feel that in my core because... Certain months are going to be busier, right? Christmas, all the brands are like, let's use our last bit of budget. Like, Mm -hmm. let's do brand and influencer campaigns. And then you might get like your Easter's, your maybe coming up to summer but like in between that like yeah. I had for March I had no collabs at all mm-hmm. and like that's a whole month where you're not making Anything. an income yep so like it's yeah that's a huge misconception that people don't have how do content creators then or just creatives in general like how do they make money because people don't really understand that part yeah um so a lot of it would be like paid advertising um for me anyway so like if let's say like a brand um, is doing like an influencer campaign or whatever, like you would get paid 
um, like kind of like a flat rate fee based on like the kind of content that you're creating. So like whether it's videos or um, stories, um, you get paid like per like story. There's like a certain set fee per story frame. Um, and that's like measured by your audience and by your insights. Um, like not necessarily like the amount of followers you have. Um, but if you have more followers, then generally speaking, your um, reach would be larger. Um, so then it's kind of just measured by that. Yeah. So do you then feel pressure as a content creator that you need to have a certain high reach in order for brands to want to work so with you? To, yeah, 100%. Like it, that's what I was saying like earlier. It's kind of like I definitely felt that the first year um, just because, again, like I, I kind of put all my eggs in one basket kind of thing very quickly. Um, so it was like, oh, I need to like maintain this audience and so I can I can just survive mm-hmm. um, pretty much. But like I said, like when I'm trying to create content, that's not just filler content. Um, and it's something that like I want to make sure that if I'm putting it out, it's something that I can actually stand behind. And I say I wanted to I wanted to make this because I wanted to make this. Yeah. Um, not just because I'm getting paid to do it. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, for me, like there was there was definitely that pressure there, but um, not so much anymore. Like. Now it's like, like I said, I think when you're able to just like make things that matter, people just, people will come back Mm -hmm. um, regardless. Um, So I don't, I'm not really putting myself under that same amount of pressure that I used to. Um, And yeah, it seems to be going okay so far. It can become a vicious cycle as a content creator to become numbers focused because Mm -hmm. of that. And like, I remember there's nothing scarier than doing an ad with a brand and not feeling like they got the reach that you wanted them to get as a result and you like you can't predict that Mm -hmm. you can to some degree now if you're clever and you know well this is the content I post on my page and it performs really well so this is where the brand would filter into like you Mm -hmm. learn that over time yeah but when I was starting out I remember I did one particular campaign and I just wasn't happy with the end result that the brand got yeah and I just felt so crap at the end of it and Mm -hmm. like that's something that maybe you don't hear about and it's a real struggle for yeah, content creators because you don't know when you press that publish button uh, what way it's going to go. Yeah, 100%. It's scary. 100. <laughs> how can brands be more representative and more inclusive with content creators? Um, so I don't even think it's just a thing of just being representative for the sake of it. Um, I've kind of gotten a lot of that, a lot of like tokenistic kind of things. And would you um, be able to spot that straight away? 100%. And you 100%. wouldn't work with the no, brand, obviously. No. Yeah. Um, although initially, like, again, it took experience for me to be able to to spot that. Because um, initially, it's like, oh, my God, this brand is reaching out to me. Great, whatever. And then you do a campaign and then you never hear from them ever again. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, if, um, if I can kind of spot that you're only coming to me for because it's Black History Month or because it's And they like, just want to whatever. tick a box. Just a box ticking thing. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I think for brands being very intentional um, about like the creators that you partner with and I think not just focusing on like short term things. So if you're if you actually want to partner with the creator, you're you're investing in their in not just like their audience or what you're going to reap from that, but essentially you're investing in them. So I think in that's the relationship. Like, in the relationship with them. So that's like a partnership that should be like cultivated. Um, so, yeah, I think just being very intentional about like how. Um, the, first of all, the content creators that you partner with and then making sure that like it's actually like a fruitful experience for everybody. Um, and, you know, you're actually creating something that matters. Um, yeah. If I was a brand now, I would be looking, I would start with um, influencer ads, but I would be looking out for the ones that I could see a long term partnership or a brand ambassadorship with over yeah. just being like, OK, we've utilized their audience once. Let's jump on to the next person. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that 
brands I think should definitely be looking out for mm-hmm. and audiences are valuing it so much more if yeah. they see a creator working with the same brand right yeah. like when it I think of trust. Ray-Bans now I think of you with the sunglasses <laughs> on I just see that now because yeah. that's a long-term partnership yeah and that's way more valuable because mm-hmm. like it, ju- it just makes more sense to the audience as well and they they know that the creator has much more integrity within that ad because mm-hmm. you wouldn't work with the brand for a long period of time unless you truly truly you believed, believed in, in them. them yeah exactly and their products so exactly like said it comes across very very well what's your proudest achievement to date this is very very random <laughs> very random um it's actually not even to do with any of like the work I'm doing right now, but in fifth year, no, sixth year, it was my final year. Um, so we had like, so I, like I said, I'm a huge basketball head. Like I love basketball so much. Um, so I played it up growing up, like all, literally all through school and we had done so well, you know, every season. So we got to sixth year and obviously like generally speaking, I think girls tend to like filter out of sports when you reach a certain age. So we'd already been like struggling for like the last like two, three years to kind of like fill up numbers on the basketball team. Um, and um, I remember sixth year, obviously it's like leaving cert year now. So there was like virtually no one that wanted to actually commit that time to playing. And that completely broke my heart because I was like, oh my God, guys, I need, we need a team or whatever. Um, so I did like this like little try reach thing to try get like people to join the team or whatever. I was like at the start of the year and we did that. And then... I know it wasn't like, it wasn't like a major, major thing, but we had had this rivalry with like this other <laughs> school, um, like in the next town over. So I was from Kildare. We used to have this rivalry with Monastrevin. Um, and it's funny because I live in Monastrevin now. We beat Monastrevin in our, in the school. We didn't qualify for anything. Like after that, we lost our next game. So it didn't even matter. Um, but for me, like that, and then obviously like, I got an award then for school that year for like achievements in basketball and stuff for like, so I, that was like, I don't know. It's like a core memory thing. It's just like, it was like a final hurrah before um, leaving school. So I think that's like my proudest, my proudest achievement. I love that because most people go with the career angle. So it's so nice to have a memory of your youth as your proudest thing, I think. And it's a team spirit thing as well. Mm. What advice do you have for uh, somebody who's listening today? Like what's one key takeaway that you'd like them to bring home with them after listening to this episode? Honestly, I think it's like, don't limit yourself. Um, Whatever it is you want to do, just, just go for it. Um, Like everything I'm doing now is very much accidental. Like I will always say I'm like an accidental activist. Like I literally just put on a camera and talked for 10 minutes about something that was like, like bothering me. Um, and like everything kind of just like sprouted from there. So, um, again, I think it's just like never like underestimating the power of whatever it is that you're kind of feeling in a moment. So, um, kind of being true to yourself in that way. So if you feel an urge to do something in a moment, just do it, go for it. Like you'd never know like what doors that could open for you or what the domino effect could be. Um, and again, like, and then in saying that, that don't limit your mind or, um, like, if you have a dream or a goal to, for, to do something like it's very, very much achievable. So just, just go for it. Just do go it. for it. What's next on the cards for you? Hopefully you guys get to see some of my films. So, um, that's like a, one thing I'm very, very excited about. I'm like working on some shorts at the moment. Um, amazing. Yeah. So hopefully that should be out before the end of the year at some point. Um, but yeah, that's like the next thing I want to try it. And where can people see these films when they're ready? Um, well, anything that comes up, I'll probably filter through my Instagram page. Um, but probably end up on YouTube at some point. Um, but yeah, for now, probably probably Instagram. 
Great. Instagram. Yeah. And that's where we'll see you there. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for joining me. Nice. This has been a great that's conversation. And I appreciate so much that you sat down with me Thanks. today. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks was for great. being a season one OG guest. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please do give us a five star rating. And thank you so much for being here. We'll see you for the next episode. Bye. 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 Bye.